0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the False Nines. This is the 69th episode of a bi-weekly footballing discussion. I am your host, Zach Pensack, alongside my friend, Adam Goffin. Adam, how are we doing today?
1: Footy, Zach. All of the underdogs are winning footy.
0: Ooh, interesting. Give me a little more on that.
1: Well, we'll we'll get into the European tournaments here a little bit later on. Oh, okay. But yeah, um, the underdogs like Liverpool and Chelsea pipping Leicester to the top four again. (laughs)
0: That's good. <laughs> the ragtag group of, of Liverpool. And exactly, Chelsea. last nobody season's that underperformers. Yeah, the yeah, champions it, of nobody, Europe
1: and, and last season's Premier League champions pipping the mighty yeah, Lester into the top four.
0: No, nobody thought that Liverpool had a, a shadow of a chance this year, coming off their first Premier League victory, and somehow they made it back into the top three. What? A, I mean, I can't wait for the 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 last dance eight part docu series on Liverpool's year
1: it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun it's it's been quite the season for for liverpool we'll obviously get into our end of season recap that we're looking forward to here but um it's been quite a season just in general hasn't it it's been it's been a weird one we finally got fans back in the stadium for the last two games of the season so everybody got a chance to to host fans during the last two weeks and we've got some semblance of normalcy coming back to everyday life now post covid um but it's yeah. just it's been a, it's been a strange one zach i think when we look back on 2020 2021 season i think uh it'll be it'll be one that has a little bit of an asterisk next to it in terms of like the uh the way that the way that team's played for example callum wilson has still not played in front of the newcastle fan base
0: that is true yeah because he got injured what was it two matches before the fans came back or uh-huh. yeah something of that nature yeah i mean a, a weird season without a doubt when you when you said an asterisk i, I was i was going to be quick to say there's not any sort of doubts of legitimacy which is usually kind of what the asterisk indicates in sports right where it's like you know in baseball an asterisk on mark mcguire's home run record or you know barry bond's home run record because of steroids or in other sports an asterisk because of other kind of off the field or court issues but but i i understand what you're saying an asterisk in the sense of it was a a bizarre season with fans with crowded schedules um i really <laughs> i i feel for the players who probably have nothing left in their legs yet uh, at this point uh with only a week and a half until euros but a weird season definitely a weird one without yep. a doubt. that that yep. might be the best adjective to use
1: yep i think that's fair yeah just more more so a season like no other just in terms of the the, de- the demands put on the players and Really, the the amount of injuries that we saw as well, I think, as a result of the demands put on those players, I think we're
0: were pretty high. So so I ask you this, Adam, a season like no other. Tell me which club's uh season long video recap, commemorative recap will be titled A Season Like No Other. That's that's right there. That's right in the ballpark. <laughs>
1: Sheffield United.
0: A season we definitely wish didn't happen. <laughs> the, season, the season that we predicted
1: would happen in 2019-2020 happened a year later than it was supposed to.
0: Oh, that would be a fun little... Uh, okay, I have an idea for later in the pod. We'll see what the time is like. But but okay, Let, let's get this one started, Adam. Uh, so as mentioned, the Premier League season has concluded. Manchester City champions... Uh, from champions-elect to official champions Now uh, we will run through the final day where it left all of the teams vying for Champions League position as well as Europa League position. Uh, The relegation bottom three was was already set in stone going into this weekend. Uh, And then European football awards for the end of the year. It's going to be a jammed pack one. Um, So, yeah, let's get it started, Adam, with our EPL trivia, a fun Part of the pod coming off a controversial episode of EPL trivia in which I got the right answer and you you tried to deny me of my prize saying that Tim Howard is the only other goalie before Allison to score a goal from open play in the Premier League. Um, I hope that I hope that we're working on more level terms this week.
1: Yeah, there's no ambiguity or no room for ambiguity in this week's EPL Trivia. Before I ask you that question, though, I do want to give one quick shout-out. This is episode 69 of The False Nines. My father is turning 69, Chris Coffin, on Friday of this week on June 4th. So I just want to give him a big shout-out. Happy birthday, Dad. I know you listen to the pod, um, so hopefully you'll uh, you'll enjoy your shout-out. Um, hope you have a great time and looking forward to, to seeing you later this year. All right, EPL That's Trivia. Awesome. Yeah, he's um he's a good good man, and he's happy about Norwich. We'll get to that in a little bit. Up, up the
0: Canaries, yeah.
1: Yep. All right, EPL trivia for this week. Which team finished bottom of the Premier League in its first ever season in 1992-1993? Do you know the answer off the Ooh. top of your head, Zach?
0: I most certainly don't, but I like that. That's a fun one. Yep. So it's, it's definitely going
1: back in the annals of history, but again, you're just guessing at a club that, that got relegated. So it's not like you need to know. Any intricacies here? Just a team that was poor in the early 90s, I guess. There you go. So clue midway through the pod, and again, we'll give you the answer towards the end of the pod today.
0: Great. So for the the final weekend recap, as most uh, football fans know, in the Premier League on the final day, the 38th match, all matches are held at the exact same time, um, largely to prevent any sort of, I guess you could say, uh, influencing that that cer- certain results might have on the performances of other teams uh that being said um we're not going to go through every single match in depth uh, as i alluded to earlier and as anybody who looked at the Premier league table going into the final weekend knew there were a lot of things that were kind of set in stone at this point it wasn't one of i, I say one of the most thrilling uh final weekends. I'm not gonna, you know, see Aguero give his team the title in the 93rd minute at QPR or against QPR. Um, but there were four matches to me that particularly stuck out that I'd like to go into Adam, and then we'll give a, a quick run through of the other six. The first match that I think was most um influential in kind of the effect it had on the Premier League table was Leicester missing out yet again on an opportunity to make the champions league so leicester going up against tottenham hotspur on the final day um in concurrence while while chelsea was losing to aston villa opening up the door for leicester to walk into the top four leicester unable to do so um blowing two different leads um including a two to one lead ended up losing four to two Uh, a pretty exciting match but certainly just a real, real disappointing end of the season uh, for Leicester in terms of the domestic campaign.
1: Yeah. And just another sense of deja vu, right? So two years in a row now where they've seemed to have this really strong grip on a top four space and they've let it erode over time. This one I think hurt even more because it was on the final day. And who was the man that put the final nail in the coffin there? Sir Gareth Bale, 2-1 up Leicester, 4-2 was the final score. Bale coming off the bench and scoring two goals. Did you know, Zach, that Gareth Bale has the best goals-to-minutes ratio in the Premier League this season?
0: I actually did see that. I did mm-hmm. see that uh, a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, it, questions can be asked of, of sample size, but in terms of impact when he's on the pitch, uh, Gareth Bale, the super sub that, that Tottenham needed, um So, yeah, a really, really good performance by him. I do want to note, though, uh, just horrible defending by the Foxes throughout this entire match. I think that this was kind of a culmination of some defensive fragilities that they've had the second half of the year. Uh, So Young-Chu still doesn't look at full health in my mind. He Mm -hmm. he just was not as sharp as, you know, I remember this time last year we were talking about him for one of the best players in the Premier League in the 2019-2020 season. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was a bizarre one. Jamie Vardy getting two penalties, scoring both of them, and Leicester pretty much had every opportunity to walk away with all three points in this.
1: Yeah, they absolutely did. And speaking speaking of team of the season, I think that's something we'll have to do in a future episode. Uh, maybe in our next episode, we can chat a little bit about our EPL teams of the season. Um, but again, to your point, year over year, I think Siyanchu has certainly regressed a little bit. Could put that down to number of games played, injuries, whatever it may be. Uh, but all, all in all. I I think looking at the season as a whole, Leicester, Brendan Rodgers, very successful season. They won a trophy. Um, They won an FA Cup. I think, you know, if you'd offered them fifth in the Premier League and an FA Cup at the beginning of the season, I think they would have been slightly disappointed to be outside the top four because of the nature of what happened last season. But winning a trophy is always a, a great thing for a fan base. And now in the last 10 years, they've won a Premier League and an FA Cup, having had a trophy drought for so long prior to that. I think, you know, you as a closet Leicester fan are probably very appreciative of the the season that they've had.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's the interesting question, right? Uh, is is this season, if you had to put it in black and white, a success or a failure for Leicester? Just given the way that it ended, and I I agree with you. I think that um, all things being equal, it was a a successful season, at least for you know the the city of Leicester, the club of Leicester, first FA Cup in team history. You could tell how much it meant to them, meant them. To the owner, you know, the son of the uh the the fallen previous owner of Leicester who who passed away a few years ago in that tragic helicopter accident. And I think that Leicester continues to be such a, a model for excellence of how to break into the top four, or ra- rather break into the top six, let's say, and stay up there. Obviously, disappointing to to fall out of the top four, but uh, I'd say overall a successful season for Leicester and For Tottenham Hotspur, a successful end of the season as they will now be entered in the new, quote unquote, third tournament uh, in European football. So qualifying as the (laughs) the seventh place club and and will now be competing for for some sort of uh, pseudo silverware, if you will. It
1: is called the UEFA Europa Conference League, Zachary. And you're absolutely right. Tottenham are the first and only English club to have competed in it um a couple couple things before we wrap um on the leicester side i don't know if you heard gary lineker um, he's been doing live, live football with BT Sport for the Champions League for some time now, and I love the quote. He basically turned down a big money offer to stay on with them and do the live football. He does Match of the Day, obviously, but that's recorded a little bit later. Um, and he turned it down so that he's a beloved Leicester fan, so that he could go and follow the Foxes in Europe with his kids. And I thought that was just a really cool sentiment um, and cool thing to do for for Gary Lineker, putting family before Before the money, obviously, he's a very successful presenter in his own right. Um, So I thought that was kind of a nice, nice gesture on his part.
0: I did see that as well. I was curious if that was going to preclude him from uh, match of the day, but obviously BBC, BT Sport, two different entities. And yeah, that was a, a pretty neat thing to say. Is is Gary Lineker from Leicester? Because I know he played the majority of his career there, but do you know if, if he is a born and raised lad as well?
1: I do not know. I'm not sure. No, he, he um he's definitely obviously an English striker and he was born in England, but I don't know where. You could look it up here and And check it out here here i'll give you a little segue while you can look up gary Lindiger here on the spurs side uh you mentioned the europa conference league i'll go back to gareth bale though for a second there was a comment that came out in the media from him at the end of the season they asked gareth bale do you know what your plans are for next season yet and he made a comment where he said um i do know what's happening but i don't want to say anything until after the euros but because it will just cause utter chaos and people are speculating on what that might mean. Oh, I didn't see that. You didn't see that? Ooh, that's so, spicy. <laughs> so, people are speculating that Gareth Bale might retire um after the Euros. I do not see that happening personally. My as a as a Welshman, We haven't qualified for a World Cup since 1958. Prior to Euro 2016, that was the only major tournament that Wales had ever qualified. Now they've qualified for back-to-back Euros in 16 and 20.
0: I didn't realize that, wow.
1: But Wales have a guaranteed playoff game regardless of what happens in their World Cup qualifier group by nature of their finish in the Nations League. I don't think there's any way, especially with it being next year, that Gareth Bale retires from football. Um, Wouldn't it be crazy if he retired from domestic football and only played I, international football I was
0: so I was about I was about to ask you that because so many players retire from international football and I was I was going to ask is it possible to do the opposite is it possible to retire from club football and continue playing in domestic football a, a prime example actually kareem Benzema getting selected for the France squad for the first time in 6 years yeah. he's been retired from international football for a while so Oh yeah, what is the chaos that it will cause. I, mean, I don't could, that's an interesting one.
1: He'd be allowed to train with any team he wanted to. Basically, Gareth Bale turns up like you're any Premier League team or you're any lower league team, maybe it's Cardiff or Swansea and they're like, "Hey, I need to stay match fit for the, for the Welsh qualifiers. Will you let me just train with the with the team?" He'll
0: walk into that Wales squad every single time, you know. I like that. I like that prediction. Gareth Bale retires from club football to preserve his body for international football.
1: <laughs> if there's any <laughs> any player you could pick that might do that, it's Gareth Bale.
0: Wales oh, Golf he, Madrid. Right? He, yeah, Wales Golf Madrid. Uh yeah, that's that's great. I do like that. That's that's exciting. Um all right, wonderful. So Tottenham uh holding off Leicester to finish for a Champions League spot, Tottenham getting the uh UEFA Europa League. <laughs> Conference championship Conference title bout, yeah. <laughs> <A> SummerSlam, <laughs> InterToto. <laughs> um, another team that um, missed out on uh, Champions League in a little less dramatic fashion as they, they kind of slept up the last few weeks. West Ham final day victory, uh, giving them the Europa League berth Um Really, really impressive season by West Ham and, and capped off by a comfortable 3-0 drubbing that, um, you know, a, a kind of a, a walk in the park, if you will, at home as well, which is always nice when you're confirming European football.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, before we move on, though, did you find out where Gary Lineker is from?
0: He is from Leicester. He is okay. Yeah, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Gary Lineker is such a well-liked guy. I really yep. like Gary Lineker. Um yeah, okay. Um, okay. All, all so to West, West Ham.
1: So West Ham. Um incredible season for Moyes and West Ham. Ran out of superlatives towards the end of the season. You know what, though? Newcastle took six points off them. The team that finished a European place. That that is a fact. Um, they fell a little short of the Champions League in the end, but I think that was always going to be a little bit too much for them. But European qualification, bringing European football to West Ham. Some of the managers that they've had in recent seasons, um, and David Moyes is the guy that brings European football back to them. Credit to him. It, it, awesome season for. David Moyes, awesome season for West Ham, awesome season for Hammers fans. I've, I've, we have a lot of uh, there's a Mile High Hammers here in um, in Denver, and they actually share a bar with us for the Mile High Magpies, where we go and watch our our games. And they're, they're always a good, fun bunch. Um, I always liked West Ham fans; thought they've been kind of similar to Newcastle in terms of like the level and expectations they've been at for many years.
0: Yeah I, yeah. I have nothing wrong with West Ham. In fact, my a good friend of mine in, in Denver, Johnny, him and I moved to Denver together in 2018. And he, at that point, was not a, a football fan, but just loves sports in general and asked me, what team should I follow? I want to get into it. The culture seems so fun. And I, I told him to follow West Ham and he's become a, a pretty avid West Ham fan and will will text me during the weekends when they're playing. So yeah, I mean, West Ham is a I think a fairly likable club. They went through, you know, all the stuff with their owner a few, you know, in the last few years. So a little bit of relatability to Newcastle there. And um, again, like you said, Moy's unbelievable things. An exciting team to watch. The question for West Ham is how many of the players can they hold on to, uh, especially their their two Czech superstars, uh, Kufal and Suchek, Um, two of their best players this season. Mm-hmm. Declan Rice. Can they sign Jesse Lingard to a permanent deal? A lot of questions in the summer, but getting the boost financially and pedigree-wise of European football is going to be big towards going to those goals.
1: Yeah, I think in the same breath, they've got to make sure they strengthen that squad as well so they have a robust enough squad to be able to compete in Europe, especially playing multiple games a week. The Thursday night games, just like Leicester will be playing, are going to be tough from a schedule standpoint. So they'll need to invest there, but I think they will. Um, I think, you know, Moise will Moyes hasn't got significant backing. I think they'll still they'll give it to him now, especially with what he's done this year.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see the future for West Ham. Again, re-signing a lot of those players, holding on to them. And as you said, having the strength and particularly I would I would think at striker as well as uh defense that are like across the across the defense, honestly. Um, but yep. we'll yep. be Interesting to see. Another impressive campaign that we saw this year, Adam, Leeds United locking up their first Premier League top half finish since 2001-2002 season. The newly promoted side under uh, the mad scientist himself, uh, Marcel Bielsa, um, getting into the top uh, 10, uh, ninth place to be exact, with a a win on the final day. Um, what, What a fun team to watch. Really a breath of fresh air for the Premier League.
1: Yeah, really fun team to watch and a team that scored more goals this season than Chelsea did in the Premier League. So um, conceding a lot, scoring a lot, Um, just a a good, fun, offensive, offensive, I should say, not offensive, um, (laughs) type of type of football (laughs) Um, that that we've enjoyed watching a lot. And I think it's only going to get better from there. You know, finishing in the top half is a great achievement for them. It gives them a great stepping stone to potentially kick on and and, and get into Europe, especially now with the fact that we've got the Europa Conference League and we're looking at maybe seven teams that can, can qualify for Europe. Why not Leeds next season? Why not top seven for them?
0: Top seven or, I mean... I, I was gonna bring this up, but Leeds won one place off the Everton Cup that everton gave up this season to Arsenal, so now that everton has fallen out of everton Cup races, you know it's up for it's up for grabs next season and and we'll see what what Leeds can do to to try to penetrate the top eight yep oh,
1: yeah, that's a that's a great point um, so good luck to Leeds United next season, and the last of our kind of notable finishes here, Liverpool, obviously. Pipping Chelsea and Leicester into third spot on the final day, five consecutive wins for them. Back in the Champions League next year, it looked like it was completely off the table uh, several weeks ago. And I think you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the Allison goal again, being a big part in the confidence oh, yeah. builder that this this that it was to kind of take them back into a Champions League spot. Do you agree?
0: Yeah, a thrilling and really uplifting, I, I think, end of the season for Liverpool. As you mentioned, five consecutive victories to close out the year, uh, alongside Arsenal, oddly enough, as the only two teams to to do that at the end of the, the Premier League season. The allison goal was was massive, right? You, you felt once that happened, there was no way they weren't going to uh, qualify for the Champions League. And this game in particular between uh, Liverpool and uh, Crystal Palace was – a pretty thrilling one. It seemed in the first half like either team could get a one, two goal lead um, before Sadio Mane gets a goal at the end of the first half and gets a second one in the second half to to wrap up that two nil victory for Liverpool. But overall with all the injuries that they have had, um, particularly Virgil van Dijk, one of the best center backs in the world, without a doubt. Um, I, I would say you have to consider this a a really, really successful season, all things considered.
1: Yeah, with the way it went towards the middle, I think, you know, looking at it holistically, I think that you you I would agree. If you if you'd have said to them last season they'd finish in third spot after winning the Premier League last season and get out knocked out fairly early in the Champions League, I think they'd have been pretty disappointed with that. No silverware this year. But I, I see your point, right? They, tur- they turned it around towards the end. Um, but I think the the opposite thing is true here. Leicester probably would still look at their season as a success. I don't think Liverpool would. It was a regression for them
0: this year. Ooh. Ah, see, I don't I, – I'll push back on that. It's a regression, but it's a, gre- a regression because of the injuries. Like, I, I don't think you can – I don't think you can fairly assess Liverpool's season independently from the injuries. Virgil van Dijk was – their player last season and they lost him early in the campaign and then continued to lose what they, they Joe Gomez went out. They were at a point Liverpool was playing two center backs that weren't on their team at the beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. I think they come qualifying for the champions league is, very, very successful in my mind. I, I really don't agree with that one.
1: No, I think I think the problem for Liverpool was up top this season. I don't think that Virgil van Dijk was as big a miss as you make out. Manchester United finished in second place and conceded two more goals than they did, and they had a healthy backline the whole season. So you and I have had this argument before. I think that Klopp needs um, a little accountability for the season that they've had here. I think he waited too long and brought in a bunch of crap in the January transfer window, didn't bring in any real strong defensive reinforcements should have done a bit better in there in terms of kabak and the league two defender that he brought in you know they haven't really cut it right so i think i think there needs to be a little bit more accountability on Jurgen klopp's doorstep and i think that you know 69 points from 38 games is you know very they're very fortunate to have made the champions league this season
0: But back in the champions league there and that's really all that matters at this point um yeah, an interesting season for Liverpool. I think they're maybe the the poster child for what we were talking about before of just a a season to remember, whether it's for a positive or negative reason. So those were the four most notable matches that that Adam and I picked out uh, in the final uh, weekend. Adam, let's run through the other six matches so that we uh, can can you know not leave anybody behind. Our beloved Newcastle United finishing the season with a third win in four matches to lock up 12th place. You know, the the dream season that every single Newcastle fan wanted, landing right there in the middle of the Premier League table. Um, some other notes. Do you have anything you wanted to note on the Newcastle match? No, just a little credit for Steve Bruce there, I think. right, A
1: little tip of the hat. Um, finishing in 12th spot, pipping Wolves to 12th um, right at the end of the season there. No Wilson for the last few games. Still managed to... Um, overcome and 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 have a good good last few few games there, including a victory in front of our own fans. So, you know, could could it could have been a lot worse. You predicted a, a while back that we would go into the final day of the season, not having anything to play for because we would already have been relegated and Fulham would be safe. In truth, we finished um 17 points above Fulham. Um, so yeah, it just goes to show that very wrong, the turnaround that we had towards the end of the season. And, you know, many people agreed with you at the time, myself included, didn't think it was going to be that big a, a gap, but we'll tip of the hat to Steve Bruce there credit for a strong end to
0: the season. Absolutely. We'll see if he gets any budget in the summer and that's something you and I can, can hold our off air opinions uh, towards. Um, all right. So a few other, uh, matches that that took place on the final day. Uh, uh, you had. Excuse me, you had Arsenal getting a, uh, excuse me, you had Manchester United getting a victory in their final match. It was 19-year-old Swedish winger Anthony Alanga getting his first EPL goal, so a, a, a name to watch going forward. Sheffield, Na- Sheffield United, as you predicted, Adam, getting a win on the final day against Burnley, matching the lowest goal to- total in EPL history with 20, no goals and no assists,
1: our boy rian brewster
0: yeah our boy rian brewster having probably what will go down as one of the worst Premier league seasons of all time for a striker unfortunately
1: worse than joel linton's debut season zach and that's saying something
0: he scored a goal that's all that matters um arsenal arsenal to brighton nil on the final day no real notes from that one arsenal missing out on that's the big note right missing out yeah arsenal missing out on european football Yes, first, that first time since
1: a, first time since the '90s that that's happened.
0: Is that true? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep, fairly late, late late Yep. Yeah, uh, and then the else? final two matches, we got Villa beating Chelsea two to one. It was their best Premier League finish in a decade, and as I mentioned before, opening up the door for Leicester to walk in to the top four a door that they were not able. to to find. And then finally, and we'll we'll talk about Manchester City in just a minute, um, in a more recent fixture, but uh Manchester City, a 5 0 beating of Everton, Sergio Aguero getting two goals off the bench to cap uh his career at Manchester City, the greatest ever non-English striker to play in England. So tip of a cap to him. Although again we we will talk about uh how Sergio Aguero was involved or perhaps Uh, not involved in a more recent match for the citizens
1: yep i think a couple things i want to point on there out there villa beat chelsea 2-1 on the final day chelsea still made top four their best premier league finish in a decade has them finishing in 11th as a villa fan holistically 11th is a great finish and it's progress on last year where they stayed up on the final day are you slightly disappointed to finish in the bottom half as a Villa fan, given the start to the season that you had where you annihilated the Champions 7-2 at Villa Park?
0: I don't think so. I think that that was kind of realized by everybody to be a bit of an anomaly. And they, they finish in 11th, but they finish 10 points above Newcastle, which is the the largest gap between uh, two clubs in the Premier League uh, besides Burnley and Fulham going 17th to 18th, and then Manchester City, Man United in first and second. So you sure. see three pretty stark divides there, right? First and second, Manchester City running away. Villa, Newcastle for the top eleven, bottom nine, and then Burnley, Fulham for the bottom three. I think that Aston Villa had a very, very successful season, and I. I Don't think that, you know, the regression to the mean, if you will, uh, the mean was better for them than they might've expected. So a good season to build off of.
1: Yep. And then Aguero, we'll talk about a little bit more, but um, confirmed today that Sergio Aguero has made the move. First picture of him in a Barcelona shirt today. So we'd anticipate probably Lionel Messi staying for at least another season to play alongside his BFF
0: Aguero. Yes, absolutely. I would, I would be shocked if anything else happened.
1: Oh, sorry. Before we move on from, from that Everton. 5-0 drubbing on the final day to Manchester City. Finish in 10th place, bottom of the top half. Very similar to Villa in terms of the strength of their start to the season. Just kind of fizzled out, didn't it?
0: so for the in, in terms of uh, a team that i think will be disappointed everton certainly will look at this season as a an abject failure uh not just the start of the season but the amount of money that was brought in carlo ancelotti a world-class manager brought in and finishing in 10th with a negative goal differential is a a really really poor campaign behind a newly promoted side in leeds United behind. West Ham a team that finished just above the relegation zone last season um I think you can make a case that Everton outside the three teams that got relegated had perhaps the most disappointing season out of any club oh
1: that's a that's a big one yeah I think yeah um based on how they started and with the top quality manager they have and the quality of players that they brought in I think you're you're probably right there still think they need another striker up top with Calvert-Lewin um to really kind of see that in, I don't think Richarlison should be the guy playing up top. He's more of a winger to me. So we'll I see. That. Uh, I bet, I, be, I bet, he gets some backing in the summer again. I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Yeah, that's a that that is a a team that spends money. So hopefully yep. for them they do.
1: Yeah, there was a really, there's a really great quote um, on Twitter earlier on today, um, where uh, Liverpool just signed a 35 million defender from the French league. We'll go into that another time. We talk about transfers, but basically, um, there was an Everton fan that kind of criticized and said, "Here go Liverpool again," saying they're not buying their success and called them Net Spend FC. Um, and an Everton fan, or Liverpool fan, chimed back in with. Despite the fact that that's the same amount of money that you spent on Alex Iwobi, who scored the same amount of goals this season in the Premier League as Allison did,
0: as Allison, there it is, there it is, nail in the coffin, zip up, zip up you this body bag shut right it down. now, it, it's, a, it's it's over, sick burn, it's over, <laughs>
1: somebody call it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm waiting for what what's the uh, what's the uh, commentator's name from WWE? Uh, the the Southern Jim, gentleman, Jim Ross. Jim Ross. Jim Ross, I do this yep. Jim Ross. It's just like by God, it's <laughs> <By> over. Almost... <God. laughs> <laughs> he's he's already dead. By God. We witnessed tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's oh God. Don't 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 put yourself out there if you're gonna get roasted like that.
1: No, he does he does net spend FC indeed. Anyway, um, great, Damn. great last week, um, game of the great last day of the season, great last week of the season, um, and we have our final league table of the season. So, congratulations to um, those teams making it into Europe. Top four again, just to recap: City, United, Liverpool, Chelsea in the top four. Leicester and West Ham making the Europa League. Tottenham making the Inter Toto Cup, and then the final three: Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield United going down to the Championship this season.
0: Indeed they went they went gently into that dark night. Um, okay, Adam, before we take our uh, commercial break, do you want to give us trivia question number two of the night? I do For trivia uh, excuse me Trivia clue number I guess one of clue trivia. number one. You yeah, got all that wrong yeah <laughs> that's all right.
1: So EPL trivia again, reminder of the question which team finished bottom of the Premier League in its first ever season in 1992, 1993. Here's your first clue, Zach. Your co-host Adam has lived in this city for several years during his life. Ooh!
0: Oh, that's a really interesting clue.
1: Yeah. So obviously not going to be a great clue for our listeners, but it's got you thinking, which which is what I was hoping it yeah. would do. We'll have a more we'll okay. have a, a better clue towards the end of the pod uh, and before we go into our commercial break just a tip of the hat to harry Kane, top scorer officially this season with 23 goals finishing one ahead of mo salah on 22 and also top assister in the premier league finishing on 14 assists two in front of bruno fernandez and kevin de bruyne earning his big money move to newcastle this summer harry Kane,
0: newcastle wasn't going to spend the money but now that he locked up both those places we have no option but to do so
1: that's right. Yep. We we don't we don't have the added distraction of the Intertoto Cup. So he's gonna come
0: to St. James's Park. Exactly. Yeah, he really gets to build a new foundation here. Uh, exactly. Okay, good. Good good stats, good trivia clue. Again, we'll we'll take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, excuse me, we will dive into end of season awards and then the finals of both the European tournaments that have occurred since our last episode. We are back on episode number 69 of the False Nines, wrapping up the Premier League season. Uh, so, Adam, end of season awards. This is this is a fun one. This is always a, an enjoyable little experience. Uh, for the listeners, Adam and I have written up a, a few uh, of our choices for end of season awards. Some more standard uh, a few, a little bit more abstract. We have not consulted each other on the answers that we have individually chosen. So very interested to hear kind of how this plays out. Um, Adam, let's start with, let's see here. Let's start with player of the year. That's that's an easy one to go off of. Um, I, I guess a, a bit of a subjective question, and I'm interesting, interested to see how you took this. So Adam, your Premier League season, 2020, 2021 player of the year.
1: Yeah, I think uh, the, the way I was thinking about this was purely based on the statistics before we took the commercial break. We talked a little bit about it. I think you'd have a hard time arguing that Harry Kane was not the EPL player of the year this season, given that he was the top goal scorer, but also the top assister in the league. I was trying to think if there was anybody else that I could potentially make an argument for that could oust him. From that, uh, I came up with a few players. I thought Ilkay Gundogan had a really great season, for Manchester City really from from nowhere I think there's great consistency again from Bruno Fernandes at Manchester United and then outside of that there wasn't really any other names that really came to mind for me in terms of big players but Harry Kane even though Spurs finished only in seventh I thought you know had had a remarkable season and is deserving of that award
0: yeah I I, I felt that there was there were I I expected you know, you to kind of go down that statistical route. And I I thought that there were two ways to to look at this, the statistical uh, kind of interpretation of player of the season. And then the, the player, and this is how I kind of went with it. The player who had the most impact on his team to, uh, to get to the place in the Premier League that they did because of that. Kevin De Bruyne is my player of the season for this Premier League campaign, I, I read a an article in GQ actually a few days ago profiling Kevin De Bruyne and and making the argument that he is the best player in the world, which of which I I agree. Um, and the the basic argument is if you have a the best player on the best team in the best league in the world, wouldn't you? consider them to be the best player in the world. And I I know that there are a lot of ways to kind of poke holes at that, but I think that the way in which Kevin De Bruyne, you know, orchestrates that team, uh, his precision passing, his, uh, his football intelligence, I think is probably second to none in the world and his intensity as a, uh, a leader on that team. De Bruyne, not always the captain. In fact, Fernandinho oftentimes wearing the captain armband when he's playing, but, De Bruyne's intensity heavily noted by pretty much every manager he's had in his career. Um, and one quote in the article that I read that I do recommend everybody uh, give a look was Kevin De Bruyne said, "If we lose any game at Manchester City, is it is an absolute crisis." And I think that in order to perform at the highest level and maintain your place, you have to have that mentality. Uh, and I think De Bruyne is my player of the season.
1: Okay, I like that. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously De Bruyne is class. I think when we look season over season, I think there's been a drop-off there, but I don't think he's necessarily been fit. It's been interesting to see how he's been deployed as a striker this season as well, just to kind of yeah. see see him playing up top. Manchester City, obviously very famous for not having necessarily an out-and-out striker in every game that they play. So I like that shout. Um, I, I certainly went with the obvious one statistically there, but um, De Bruyne is world-class. There's no doubt about that.
0: Very good. Very good. Okay, Adam, second question or a second award rather that we'll we'll go with this evening. Let's go young player of the year. So um, the qualifications here, a player has to be 23 years or younger on the day that the Premier League season begins. Adam, who is your selection for young player of the year?
1: I defy you to tell me that the answer to this question is not Phil Foden. Uh, 21- 21 Undoubtedly, Phil Foden. (laughs) 21 years old, 28 games played in the Premier League this season, nine goals and five assists. He scored three goals in the Champions League, two in the FA Cup, two in the League Cup. He scored and assisted in every competition he's played in this season. His minutes on the field have him scoring a goal in every 179 minutes of football in the Premier League. That's basically averaging a goal every less than two games that he is scoring a goal in and he's 21 years old. He has come in. He has replaced David Silva effortlessly um, and perhaps even done a bit better than I think Silva would from a goal-scoring threat standpoint. He has an amazing career ahead of him. I think he's the future of Manchester City, potential future captain of Manchester City, and the same for England, Um, running out of superlatives for this guy. He just gives them that extra energy and dimension that I think they don't have when when he's off the field
0: he truly plays for the, you know, the crest on his chest, right? One of the few Manchester City players in recent year who has come up through the academy. Manchester City, a team quite well known for purchasing the top talent in the world, but not necessarily uh, cultivating the top talent in the world uh, through their academy. And and Phil Foden, the shining example of, you know, an unbelievable academy product. You, You said every single thing that I would say. Phil Foden, undoubtedly, in my mind, the only other person who I thought might be remotely in the conversation, Mason Mount for Chelsea, but Foden outperformed him in every metric. And I think is, you know, on his day is uh, just a, I don't know if I'd want to say world-class to a player who's had breakout season, but he's a player who can change the game in any instant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Top top class player at 21 years old. And um, I think even looking at him in the in the Champions League, you saw what a difference he made against PSG as they knocked them out in the semifinals of the Champions League. Didn't look out of place whatsoever. Okay, our third award. I'd like you to go first on this one, sir, because I'm curious to hear your thoughts here. I think you can go one of two, maybe three ways, depending on which way you look at this. Manager of the season. Who would that be for you, Zach?
0: So this is a uh, a person that we have given quite a a lot of um, uh, quite a lot of complimentary words to in our podcast so far. David Moyes is my pick for manager of the season in this Premier League campaign. I think Pep Guardiola for Manchester City, the title winners, is the the easy choice, and I went with Moyes. Simply because of the the drastic improvement that we saw from West Ham, going from 16th in the table last season to European football sixth place, a jump of 10 spots, um, only bested technically, I, I guess you could say, by Leeds, who uh, came up from uh, the Championship and ended in the top half of the table. But what David Moyes has done with that team, what he's done with the resources there, and uh, the way in which um, their scouting department also has. Know, picked off the the Czech league, which is a, uh, a largely overlooked European league for a lot of talent. Again, I mentioned before, Suchak and Kufel had two top performers in the Premier League. I think that Demois has done wonders. And as you said before, really excited to see what he can do with hopefully an increased budget this summer.
1: Yep, absolutely. I think it's a great shout. I like that you went with the kind of underdog pick here. I didn't pick either of those two people that you mentioned there. I picked Thomas Tuchel. Um, and I picked mm, yep. him because, uh, you know, this is, these are the premier league end of season awards. Um, but, but ultimately I think the reason that I picked Thomas Tuchel was there was a lot of pressure on this guy when he came in, he'd been seen as somebody who'd underperformed a little bit at PSG who couldn't win the big one. Um, obviously lost in the champions league final last season. He was kind of like not, not performing as well this season with PSG ended up finishing second in league, uh, this season. Um, And he came in with a lot of expectations on his shoulders, and a lot of people were not happy about this appointment. There was a lot of sentiment and love still for Frank Lampard. Tuchel came in. He recorded the best start of any Chelsea manager ever, um, 13 games unbeaten as he went through. The first loss was randomly to West Brom in a 5-2 defeat, but he broke all sorts of records, clean sheets records, unbeaten streak records, made them a solid defensive unit when there was not a solid unit defensively before, came in, um, lost an FA Cup final, won a Champions League final for them, got them to the top four on merit. And I just think that, you know, when you think about impact that managers have made this season, I I can't argue that anybody has made more of an impact uh, based, based on coming in as a new manager than Thomas Tuchel has.
0: I love that. Tuchel was the other uh, manager I was thinking of of choosing before uh, going with with David Moyes. So, yeah, I I think that we'll we'll touch upon this a little bit as well during our our Champions League final recap, but Tuchel has done wonders with that club, exceeding any sort of expectations that anybody uh, could have set. Um, So, yeah, love that one. Awesome. All
1: right, so for next category, match of the year. Zach, what do you got for this
0: one? Aston Villa 7 Liverpool 2 oh. uh, the biggest biggest surprise fixture of or biggest surprise result of the season I would say just edging out that West Brom victory that you mentioned especially you know coming at the beginning of October when Liverpool was still you know people were touting them as a potential title repeater and to see them getting destroyed at home by Aston Villa um, with a hat trick coming from Ollie Watkins a, the big summer signing for Villa um that one was there was not one person in the world that predicted (laughs) that that scoreline. so I think that that's match of the year for me
1: yep I actually was going to go with that one as well and I thought you might so instead I went with a homer here Newcastle 3 Southampton 2 um for a lot of people didn't necessarily watch this match because obviously on paper it wasn't a super exciting one but it was a match at the time where we were really slipping and in free fall from a league position standpoint. And it was a match that we desperately needed to win. Um, Newcastle came into this game desperate for three points. We started really hot out of the gates. Um, We were three one up at halftime. We made a bunch of substitutions and then we had injuries where players were forced off and we finished the game with nine men. Southampton pulling one back to make it three two early in the second half, and we dug in with nine men and we defended backs to the walls in this one. It for me, it had everything. It had sendings off. it had injuries, like goal line clearances, and and most importantly, three points for Newcastle, which proved super valuable and you know turning the tide a little bit somewhat in our season. Um, you know, there's definitely a little bit of bias in there obviously being a Newcastle fan, but I think any, any person or any English Premier League fan, or fan of football in general, if they watch this game without any context and were able to just kind of watch this from start to finish, you'd get a ton of enjoyment out of it. It was a really fun 90 minutes of football.
0: I like that. I like that. You, you rationalize that pick quite a lot. Um, I would call that match the and this is this is touching another heartstring of mine. That that match was the princess bride of football matches because as you said it had truly everything. There was drama, there was violence, there there was a, a last gasp finish and then at the end of it all there were uh, a victory for the good guys. So I like that. I like that pick.
1: Nice. Yep, that was that was my pick. Newcastle 3 Southampton
0: 2. Lovely. And I'm from match of the year to moment of the year. You can really interpret this in, in quite a few ways. So curious to see what you went with here.
1: Yeah, I I, I thought moment of the year for me, feel-good moment of the year, perhaps, um, was was how I would more classify it, was seeing Leicester win the FA Cup and watching their owner celebrate with them on the Wembley pitch, um, given the events that have transpired with his father several years back when he had died. In the helicopter accident um just really cool starting to see fans back in the stadium for me it was one of the first true memories of seeing a game where you had fans back in the stadium post covid where they really just like they, they made the noise of eighty thousand in that game right it was it felt like football was back again. And then to see Leicester, the underdogs, win that game um, and their, the obvious emotion on the faces of the players and the owners they, as they won that tournament, their first FA Cup ever, um, just a, a great moment for me. A real feel-good story in the season.
0: I love that. Yeah, especially with uh, the emphatic strike by Yuri Tielemans to to win that game. Uh, <sighs> just that just capped off a eh? That was a rocket. I need to talk about players that a team needs to hold on to. They cannot let that man go for any amount of money. Um, But yeah, that's a, that's a great choice. I really like that Adam. Um, I went with a moment that we've talked about before. It was Allison's game winning header uh, against West Brom that uh, put Liverpool back in the champions league spots, a, a place that they did not relinquish and, um, yeah, just the rarity of it, the uh, excitement, the, ha- the quality of the header. It wasn't, you know, some scramble in the box and him just tapping it in. He, he really just had a almost Drogba-like snap of the neck to put the ball at the back post. So for pure entertainment value, I, I went with Allison's header there.
1: Nice. Yeah, I mean, what 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 a fun picture that was. The immediate scenes in the aftermath with the entire 11 Liverpool players all gathered around him and the obvious joy on their faces. It was a really cool picture. Definitely. All right, so from moment of the year to biggest overachiever of the year. Uh, interested to what you might say for this one, Zach?
0: Yeah, so I think this is where I wanted to get a little bit more kind of off the beaten path with our awards. Um, Biggest overachiever of the year. So I thought of this as less so a a player that I necessarily think isn't as good as his record showed, but more so a player that you really did not expect to perform as well as they did in this Premier League season. You could have gone with a player, a team, went with a player here. I went with Patrick Bamford. Uh, I don't think a lot of people would have expected these striker for Leeds United, again, a newly promoted side to finish in the top five goals in the Premier league. Um, and Bamford, a, a consistent, a consistent player at the, the top of that Leeds United formation, just a really kind of classic number nine in a lot of ways. And a, a player that I'm, I'm really excited to see where he goes going forward. Hopefully stays at Leeds. I hopefully they can continue to build on that, but in terms of achieving something over what was expected. I think Bamford takes that for me.
1: Yeah. I think we've talked about it a few times. A lot of people expected Rodrigo to come in and be the main man there. And it was absolutely not. It was, it was Patrick Bamford. So love, love that you gave him a shout there. I went with somebody that you've already given an award so far. I went with David Moyes. Nice. Uh,
0: I like that. Not
1: not a player manager for biggest overachiever of the year. And for obvious reasons, I won't go into here. Uh, But I think just in terms of expectations going into the seasons versus reality, I don't think anybody else performed at a, at a better clip than, than Mr. David Moyes did and his West Ham team did. So credit to
0: him there. Great, great season. So from biggest overachiever then to biggest underachiever, again, interested to see how you interpreted this one. Who <laughs> performed you know well below the bar uh, this season, Adam?
1: Uh, Ryan Brewster for me. I, I mean, it's, it's the <laughs> obvious one. We've talked about it again.
0: So I'm going to give you a stat line here for the season.
1: Zero goals and zero assists in 27 Premier League games for Sheffield United. This was a 23 million um, pound club record signing for Sheffield United, a player that had gone to the championship last season with Swansea and returned a decent clip of goals and looked pretty good in front of goal. Now, I don't think the service to him was fantastic in his defense somewhat, but you sometimes make your own luck in terms of you know being a Premier League striker and getting the right place at the right time. Um, but, but at the same, in the same breath, there was when, when this signing went through a lot of Liverpool fans questioned it, a lot of Liverpool fans said, why aren't we loaning him out to Sheffield United versus, you know, selling him to, to Sheffield United. And I think, you know, there, there there've been a lot of outgoing decisions from Liverpool football club, like, um, Philip Coutinho leaving for 145 million, where you've been like, Hmm, I'm not sure if that's the right decision. They rarely get them wrong. Do they? like Benteke leaving, um, they they when they let players go, they rarely seem to have that bite them in the ass, Liverpool. And Brewster is a great example of that again. you know They've been proven right. This guy I don't think is going to cut it. I think Harry Wilson's another Liverpool player who'll probably be on the outs this summer, um, who's not quite Liverpool quality, but obviously has a lot of talent. And you know Brewster gets to prove again that he's going to be capable of banging him in in the championship for Sheffield United next season on his permanent deal like he did for Swansea the previous year.
0: There you go. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough to say that there's anything positive. Well, there is not anything positive to take, uh, from, from his season. We we can objectively say that. So I, I think that's a good one. Um, okay. I I, I like this. I, I feel like you and I Adam are, are kind of taking the awards in different directions. And I feel like this is, this is, I I'm enjoying how this is playing out for biggest underachiever. I went expectation versus return. Um, I went with Timo Werner, Uh, just all the hype that existed (laughs) in his move from RB Leipzig after they made that Champions League run last season, you know, he was the, I I, I would argue he was potentially the biggest name signing coming into the Premier League from another league last summer, you know, the the young German striker who who seemed to kind of be scoring for fun. Um, And I, I think you can make a very solid argument that Timo Werner did find his place in this Chelsea side. And we'll, again, we'll talk about it in a minute. I, I think he played actually quite well in the champions league final, despite not scoring, but uh, in terms of, again, expectation versus product and return had uh, Timo Werner was, looked like a, a shell of his former self in front of goal that really, you know, lacking a, a kind of that decisive final product and, uh, the the killer instinct that uh, a striker oftentimes need to have. So uh, again, I I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with him next season. I I could certainly see Timo Werner continuing to play for Chelsea potentially in a different role, but um, very much so an underachiever this year.
1: Yeah, it, it, you're right. It, expectations versus reality. I think you're you're absolutely correct. And he was a pretty hefty price tag. He's 25 years old. It's not like he's you know the most young player you have in a or an experienced player that you could have six goals, but 12 assists for Werner. I would call that out. That's, um, it's a pretty, pretty solid number to, to have in the team. I think he's made a difference for them, even though it's not necessarily on the strong goal scoring side where we expected it to be. Um, but I, I like that. I like that shout as well. Um, that's a great way to do it. One other person I, I wanted to give an honorable mention to do too, is Anthony Martial. I thought after last season, um, he was a massive disappointment. Um, this season and underachieving based on previous tallies that he had greenwood started off that way but had a strong end to the season um, and rashford mm-hmm. had a really, really good year but um yeah Martial was another player i considered for for that award okay last awards we'll do today zach biggest surprise of the year interesting to see how you take this one
0: yeah this one i think is the most kind of open-ended and vague award um and in in following in a bit of a theme we have today, uh, this is a uh, an award that you gave out in a different form just minutes ago. A biggest surprise of the year, I went with Thomas Tuchel's instant impact at Chelsea, um, and I think you said it completely right and really covered all the bases there. Nobody expected this level of success. People expected there to be, um, you know, maybe uh, not the, uh, I guess you could say, tactical cohesion that Chelsea was wanting and. Credit to Roman Abramovich getting the man that he wanted and getting the man that propelled them to not just a top four finish, but more importantly, a Champions League title, their first since 2012. I don't, I don't know if too many people, including you know former co-host and longtime listener Gus, uh, expected the level of performance that Tuchel had, and um, that was a, a pretty big surprise for me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Question for you on that. Do you think if Tuchel was not available, that Abramovich would have pulled the trigger when he did?
0: Pulled the trigger on Frank Lampard? You're saying? Yep. That is a really interesting question. That I, I suppose then the the kind of follow up question was is was Tuchel the man that Roman Abramovich, I, Abramovich wanted from from months out? Because you know, when back in January when we talked about the Lampard firing, there were a lot of reports that this was kind of stewing for. Uh, a number of weeks. Um, I'm not sure that he would have. I, I think that it timed perfectly, right? It timed so well that Tuchel, you know, was got got fired at PSG. They brought in Pochettino, and he was immediately available after a, a, quite a significant rise, um, going from Mainz to Dortmund to um, PSG in under ten years. So that, I don't know. I don't know if he would have fired um, Lampard. Although we all know that Roman. Rimbaud- Roman Abramovich, I'm having a tough time with that name today, uh, is not a man afraid of pulling a trigger very, very kind of reactively.
1: No. Yeah, it was interesting um, that 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 happened when it did. So I was curious your your thoughts there. Uh, My my final award for biggest surprise of the year. This is interesting. There's been quite a little bit of overlap, but in different categories here. I went with Patrick Bamford, but specifically Patrick Bamford not making England's Euro squad despite 17 goals and eight assists for Bamford this season. He's doing it on both sides of the pitch in terms of goals and assists. Um, Still not enough to warrant a spot in Gareth Southgate's 26 for the Euros. And I think it's criminal. Um, I think Patrick Bamford is very, very deserving of it. Um, I think he fits the style of play well. He's a team player. He can link up play well. He can score. He's a good natural finisher and goal poacher. And he's obviously got an assist in him as well. So, I think Gareth Southgate is, is missing a beat here by not not taking him to the Euros this month.
0: You think Bamford deserves a spot more than Trent Alexander-Arnold, who it was also announced today, is not going to be going to Euros with England?
1: Absolutely. And and one of they're cutting it down from 33 to 26, and they haven't confirmed those names yet. But Ollie Watkins is another player who they're saying is going to be cut from the squad. Does he deserve it more than Ollie Watkins? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh no doubt. Um, yeah, I think that's a good shout. I, I like that. I like how you kind of centered in on that aspect of Mister Bamford.
1: Yep, he's a, he's a top player. And uh, again, you said earlier on, you know, you hope it's at Leeds next year. Why wouldn't it be? Right, seventeen goals in the Premier yeah. League this season. Um, he's proven he can do the business. You know, he's twenty seven years old. Build build a build a attack around him. He's he's he can certainly be capable of you know being the focal point of that
0: of that attack. Yeah, the the one. Hmm. Well, we'll we'll talk more. I, I had an idea, but we'll, we'll talk more maybe out of the future episode of potential moves that we could see happening. But um, I I would like to see Bedford stay there as well. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Cool. All right,
1: so that wraps up our awards for the 2020-2021 season. We've got a couple of things that we want to touch on here, just a few small things in the Europa League and Champions League finals to wrap wrap this segment. Um, Let's talk first about the Europa League final. Um, A lot of people were thinking that we were going to have four British teams, myself included, in the finals again, as we did two years ago. The one kind of hiccup we had there was Unai Emery, and his Villarreal team eliminating Arsenal and making their way into the final with Manchester United. Before this game started, Paul Scholes made a comment in the media that Villarreal finished seventh in a very poor La Liga, se- La Liga league this season, um, and Manchester United should essentially roll them over with no problem. Um, <laughs> Paul Scholes might be eating those words somewhat in what was a very interesting um, and entertaining to watch Europa League final, was it not?
0: It was, yeah, and he most certainly will be eating his words. Villarreal taking men United truly to the brink. This was the, the definition of of that phrase. No goals scored in regular time, no goals scored in extra time, and we went all the way to oh excuse me one goal scored apiece um in was it an extra time by both sides? Mourinho um,
1: and Cavani scored in, in regulation. It went to extra time, no goals in extra I'm time.
0: Totally off there. Excuse me. It's it's been a long day for me. Uh so no leads I suppose held at the end of regulation nor extra time. And we we did go to penalties of the the first 120 minutes, entertaining in a sense, but also you know lacking that kind of a attacking bite that I think a lot of people were looking for in this match.
1: Yeah, no real surprises. I think, you know, Villarreal knew if they tried to take it to Manchester United, they were going to get blown away. So they lined up pretty defensively. Um, and Manchester United, United again, I think this, is, this has been the story a few times for them this year. When teams come to defend and they set up their shop to defend against Manchester United, they struggle to break them down. And this was, again, the, the case. You know, Cavani got his goal... He's had a great season, excited to see him play again next year. But, you know, they they were very, very solid defensively, not a lot of chances throughout the game for Manchester United. So inevitably we got down to a penalty shootout and what a penalty shootout it was.
0: Yeah, that one of the most entertaining penalty shootouts I've ever seen. It, it ended 11-10 on penalties, Villarreal coming out the surprise victors. Um, but the, the most important note there is nobody missed a penalty until David De Gea did yep. uh, at the the end of that match. So all 10 field players for both Manchester United and Villarreal slotting it away. I would say there there were only probably maybe two or three instances of those 20 penalties where it looked like a ball was even saveable or, you know, uh, yep. close to... Like I, I keep her getting a hand on it. Most, I would say, the vast majority of those penalties, most of them, keeper was guessing the wrong way. Uh, but that's the beauty of penalty shootouts is eventually the, the goalkeepers might have to step up to the spot. Villarreal's keeper stepping up first, putting a rocket in the top right corner of the Manchester United net. And then, consequently, just a few minutes later, saving David De Gea's slightly weaker effort to give. The Spanish side the victory so um in, in terms of entertainment after a 120 minute two goal affair that was as as much as you could possibly ask for
1: yeah it was fantastic so so good to watch like you said every single outfield player took and scored a penalty until the two keepers went up against each other so you, f- you feel a little bit bad for um david De Gea, but you know if you're always a like, you know oscar you probably should have started dean
0: henderson so that's on you ollie there it is. Everyone, everyone was saying it, and Adam had to put it on. The phone. <laughs> uh, Sorry, uh, for our listeners, Adam texted me right when David de Gea missed it and said, "Dean would have slotted that away." <laughs> <to play. laughs> it, he probably would have. He wouldn't have needed to because he would have saved the penalty before that. That's that's a fair point. Yeah, I think that's a a bit better one to make there. Um, yep. So yeah, a, a, an exciting end to a Champions, or excuse me, a Europa League final, and then just a few days later, we got the European match of the year, the Chelsea versus Manchester City um, Champions League final. Let's go into a little bit more detail on this one, Adam, simply because it is the more important tournament. Um, Starting with the lineups that were announced before the match, I'm curious if there were any kind of instant thoughts or surprises that you had when you saw the starting 11 put out by both managers.
1: Nothing was too surprising for me per se. I, I thought they might go sentimentally with Aguero starting on the City side. They didn't. Um, that was that was the one surprise to me. But then, based on the form of Sterling and Mares um, play, playing playing for, for City there, and and Foden obviously playing really well too. It doesn't surprise me that there was no room room in the team for for Aguero. They were hoping he would make an impact off the bench. I feel like you're getting at something though. What's what's your your thought here? Who are you who are you identifying as somebody that might have
0: sat here that probably shouldn't? I thought seeing Manchester City put out zero center defensive midfielders was a pretty shocking thing to view. Both Rodri <laughs> and. Fernandinho uh not in the starting 11 and it, it seemed like an interesting kind of experiment that Pep Guardiola was doing there and Pep Guardiola is is a manager who is willing to experiment on even the highest level and this truly being the highest level um and I thought that was a mistake and, and we saw it in the match although only one goal was scored in the final by Kai Havertz. I thought that a, a player of the match, and I, I believe the player who was awarded player of the match, Golo Conte, bossing that midfield for Chelsea, and ultimately the goal for Kai Havertz coming from just kind of a wide open space in the, the middle of the field. So before dialing it back again to the starting 11, I, I was just a little surprised that Fernandinho, despite his 36-year-old age, um, not being placed in that starting 11 to kind of fight it out in midfield.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, Fernandinho for me as a player that should be starting every game if he's, if he's fit and uh, more so than Rodri. Uh, I like Fernandinho. I think he's been a great servant to City over the years. Um, I wasn't surprised in the way that the teams were set up. I think there was precedent for that based on what we'd seen in recent weeks. And Chelsea just have their number for whatever reason. Chelsea have Manchester City's number. So um, they did it again, a 1-0 victory in normal time with a goal towards the end of the first half from Kai Havertz. Um, Some people I want to identify as kind of like who had really good games and had really bad games, I read a quote. I love this one. Seventy percent of the Earth is covered by water. The rest is covered by N'Golo Kante. Conte. Um, and it's a what a game right there! But it's true. But it's true. <laughs> what, a, what, what a game he had! I mean, this this guy is unreal. And I was, I was also looking at a um, a graphic that they showed about the progression that he's had in his career, yep. and just in the last three four seasons, he's won a World Cup, he's won a Europa League, and he's won a Champions League, and obviously and Premier League, and a Premier yeah. League, and, and the Euro and the Euros are are here on the doorstep as well, right? So really, that's the last one that he hasn't won from a professional career standpoint, unless he goes to a different country and starts trying to win domestic leagues there. Um, but he's done it all in, in football. And, you know, this guy started off in the third tier of French football 10 10 seasons ago. So just incredible. Tip of the cap to N'Golo Kante there. And then I thought Mares and Sterling had stinkers. Um, I was expecting so much more from those two, especially um really really disappointing for me um blew it on the largest stage of all
0: Mara Sterling and did you even remember that Bernardo Silva was on the pitch towards the end of the match I I guess I I, I guess I I had lower
1: expectations for him though
0: fair enough I I I believe it was again Gus a, a noted Chelsea fan who who had a hell of a day watching this one but he he was texting me and he said He's. I don't remember Bernardo Silva getting mentioned once during this match, and that's something that I, I do want to kind of turn this to the tactical masterclass that Tuchel put out. I think that you can very, very comfortably say that Thomas Tuchel outcoached Pep Guardiola in every aspect of this match, whether it was in midfield, whether it was in his ability, as you said, to kind of neutralize the wingers uh, on um, Manchester City. Reese James, a player I think that deserves a note, his block on Sterling in the first half, mm-hmm. um, a, a phenomenal way of getting back. He's played pretty much every minute of the last 30 matches um, for uh, Chelsea. Um, and then again, I mentioned this before, Timo Werner opening up the space um, in the, the middle of midfield to allow Kai Havertz to run in and occupy that area. and eventually him getting by Ederson and putting that ball away. so I, it seemed as though from watching previous Chelsea matches, and then consequently I've, I've read quite a lot of analysis of the, um, the kind of tactician that Tuchel is, he knew exactly what he needed to do to win this match and hit every single note perfectly. So I want to give him a lot of credit as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're, you're, you're right there. He was by far the stronger tactically of the two of the two managers uh, that, that just leaves, Zag. what's next for both teams, right? I think City probably will try and go again next season, again with Pep in the Champions League. Um, this one's got to hurt for them. I actually watched this one in Stoney's Uptown in Denver um, at mm. a Manchester City bar. Um, so there's a lot of disappointed faces there. I think they've got they got to go again. I don't think Pep leaves this summer as a result of what happened here. And then I think Chelsea next season, I mean, we, we tipped them potentially for a title push this year. Maybe next year, under Tuchel.
0: Sky's the limit for Chelsea. Absolutely, five of the players who started in that match for Chelsea, age twenty-four or twenty-five or younger. Um, and again, in in a lot of what I was reading, yeah, kind of uh, reflecting on this match. One thing that uh, was noted uh, that I I strongly agree with is this Chelsea side is a uh, is miles different from the Chelsea side that won in 2012 in the sense of back in 2012 you had Drogba you had Lampard you had Ashley Cole but a lot of players that it seemed it was, it was this you know kind of Champions League of destiny they were coming towards the end of their respective careers at the top level and it just had to happen that they would win it whereas this Chelsea side the complete opposite so many young players, so much talent, and so many players that it still seems have not yet reached their peak. Mason Mount, one of the best players on Chelsea under Tuchel, you know, clearly so much room for him still to grow. And I think Chelsea needs to be competing for the Premier League. I think they need to be competing for the Champions League year in and year out. And I I think that if they're able to continue to strengthen and not lose those pieces, I don't see any reason why they're not able to. To answer your the first part of that, Manchester City, a lot more questions going into the summer. I agree with you. There, I don't think that there's really uh a scenario in which Pep leaves, but could could you see a lot of the players trying to get a move out of Manchester City, especially players that might not be getting a ton of starting minutes at City? You have Gabriel Jesus, you have players even like uh Cancelo, you have Rodri has kind of slipped up a bit recently. Imeric Laporte is being heavily linked with a move. To his new adopted country of Spain, um, I think that City is going to be an interesting one to watch because you have all these players who are brought in from foreign leagues who are essentially expecting to be playing week in and week out, and I think that we're kind of we might be seeing a few consequences of that, and players that aren't really willing to try to you know fight season after season to get time and are looking to be playing first team football every single match.
1: Yep, that's a great point. We we will see what the summer brings. You know, they they're they're blank checkbook basically so they can afford the best players in the world, but again, they're going to want to be playing football. So, great point.
0: Cool. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Um we will take another commercial break Adam and then uh, as you mentioned before, we're skipping armchair pundits today. It's a, it's a meaty episode. So, um to allow both of us to 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 get some rest and, and maybe close this one out earlier than our normal 9, 30, 10 PM uh, wrap up. We'll go right into 10 and 90. Um, so yeah, stay locked in. And we are back for the final section of the false nines, 10 and 90. Uh, it's all coming at you right now, right here. Adam, what is your theme for me today? Cause it has to be something.
1: Yeah. I wanted to do something different here for our last podcast of the Premier League season. It's got nothing to do with football, Zach. It's going to be a little bit what? different today. Yeah. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you about famous Zachs.
0: Oh man. Oh man. Yeah, wow. Are you, ready? you ready for this? No, but let's go.
1: So five questions. The answer to all these questions is Zach something. And I need you to tell me what the last name is of this person who I'm going to give you a clue for. None of these are footballers, by the way. So here you go. Okay. All right. Question number one. This actor is most known for his starring roles in Due Date and The Hangover.
0: Zach Atkins.
1: One for one. Good job. There we go. Question number two. This lead singer and activist is ready to drop a bomb track at any moment.
0: Lead singer. is it zach de la roche zach de la roche yeah yeah so i'll give you that one okay i always mispronounce his last name
1: yep so it's a lead singer of rage against the machine Mm -hmm. all right this comedy actor's best friend turk always has his back at (laughs) sacred heart
0: (laughs) hospital Uh, My favorite show of all time. That is Zach Braff, the star of Scrubs. (laughs) That is absolutely right. Three for three. Well done, sir. All right.
1: Last two questions are sporting related. They're not football, but they're sporting related. This American professional golfer has 12 victories on the PGA Tour, including two major championships, the 2007 Masters and the 2015 Open.
0: Golf is not a sport. I am terribly knowledge of is zach who golfs
1: despite the fact that you went and played golf last weekend
0: i did not well i, I, I did not share <laughs> with you my scrubber 18 holes and it was it was abysmal um oh yeah i don't know i don't know if i know is there, a, is there like zach zach thomas or something close is that zach, it? No. Zach,
1: zach johnson
0: Zach Johnson. Okay, Zach Johnson. I've probably yeah. heard that before. It's a, a very a very bland American male yeah. name. <laughs> he's uh,
1: he's in his mid forties, so he's he's been around for a while. But you know, obviously, won in two thousand fifteen, so not that long ago, he won the Open. Um, pretty big golfer in his day. All right, um, nicknamed Zeebo, this retired NBA stars' former teams included the Blazers, Knicks, mm-hmm. Clippers, Grizzlies, and Kings.
0: Zach Randolph. Is correct four for five, my friend. That's pretty good effort for you there on your namesakes. You gotta be educated on your namesake. You you just have to have it somewhat locked down. That was that was good. Yeah. You you really covered the uh, the spectrum of Zacks. That was solid.
1: I did. I looked up famous Zacks, and those were the top five famous Zacks. To be honest, so uh, there were no other ones on that list. I don't know if you can think of any other famous Zacks that you would add to that.
0: Famous Zacks that I would add to that uh Zachary Taylor, former US president. He had the shortest shortest term as president after he died of pneumonia. I think it was 44 days in office. So that's a that's oh, a that's tough ter- one for terrib- terrib- for, terrib- for for Zach's. Um other Zach Efron. I was wondering if that was gonna be on Ooh, there. Oh yeah that is a good one. Yeah should have should have gone with that one. But I had a lot of actors yeah. in there so we're going um, you did you did indeed um no that was that was good. That was fun. Damn I wish I maybe I'll have to just repeat your your theme next (laughs) week because that was that was a lot of fun
1: yeah all right so um to round out we've got your wash word for you um i'm gonna spell it for you c y m r u
0: wait i wait a minute i've definitely seen this word before isn't this wait a minute
1: I might have done it before, but if I did, I have to do it again.
0: Is that is that Wales and Welsh? It has something to do with the Welsh national team. It <laughs> is Wales and Welsh, so you know <laughs> yes! what it means. Let's go. <laughs> but you haven't pronounced it yet. Oh, I haven't. Oh, man. Uh, oh, I have no idea how to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> Shimru. One more time. Shimru.
1: It's Cymru. Cumbria, Okay. Cumber. Cumber. Yep. And it is in, in yeah, honor is. of the um Euro starting within the next two weeks. Uh I had to pick Wales, obviously, for my last word.
0: Who 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 are Wales uh who are the, the three other teams that Wales are in a group with here? Uh
1: we are in a group with Italy, we are in a group with Turkey, and I'm blanking on the last one. Is it Switzerland for the final one? Let me check. Ooh. Yeah, it's a pretty tough group. Um but yeah. That is it's a bit,
0: yeah. I, You'd you think Wales, Switzerland, and Turkey are kind of, you know, they all have a good shot at second in that group to get a, to get to advance.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we, we'll we'll be okay. I think I think we'll get out of that group. But let me just double check and make sure I'm not a complete liar here and who's in our group. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Italy, Swi- Italy, Switzerland, and Turkey. Italy will be our last oh, yeah. game in, in the group. So tough, tough group. But Switzerland are a team, I think, on the same level as us. Turkey will be a tough one. They, they beat France in qualifying, so there are no mugs yep. for sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Okay. All right. Well, my 10 and 90, I I didn't get as creative as you did. Um, But kind of switching it up, it's not five questions. It's it's one question with five components to it, if you will. All
1: right.
0: Um, So, Adam, as you said, Euros are coming up. Um, I want you to give me the five players who are going to be performing at Euros that you would want to be on a -a five-a-side team that you manage. And I want to kind of put a little complication in here. I want you to think of this based on not just the five players that you'd love to to have on your team, but how do you think you would be as a manager? How do you think you would treat your players? How do you think you would approach your games? I want you to kind of look inward and pick, for me, a -a five-a-side team that you think best reflects the players, but also your players.
1: Hmm. So what would my formation be in my five-a-side team? Just out of curiosity. You, I mean, that's, you're thats you the manager. Okay. I can pick any formation I want. Okay. So yeah, let's
0: say, how about this? How about this? Um, I guess to, to go back on that, you have to have a keeper and then you have to have at least one of defender, midfielder, strikers. So you can okay. double up on, you can double up on one.
1: Okay. So I probably pick two in midfield then. And I'm going to look here because I actually did already pick a Euros um fantasy football okay. team here. So I'm gonna steal can you, my, steal can my you own idea.
0: So can you first though tell me like what your style what your managerial style would be? Yeah. Are you, are you gonna be a Jose are you gonna patent park the bus? Are you gonna Jose Mourinho it? Are you gonna mark Russell Bielsa it? Are you gonna know, just Die bomb forward.
1: I think that you're probably smart in a five-a-side team to play out from the back and have a little bit of kind of like a solid defender and then somebody that can kind of like pivot between defense and midfield and then an out-and-out striker that you can bang in the goals. That's kind of my formation okay. that I would have. So either a def- defensive midfielder or a um, or two defenders at the back is kind of how I would think through that. So what I would go with here and looking at kind of my 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 team up top i think harry kane is the man that would lead the line for me okay um i would have harry kane up top very close second might be ramelu lukaku i think lukaku is you know very strong on the ball somebody that like you're not going to get easily brushed off the ball especially in a 5 aside scenario i think he'd be great um and then as we look at the rest of the team i think it, you have got to kind of throw Angolo Kante in there, right? Um uh, yeah. as your he's 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 probably my defensive midfielder that I would put in there. If fit de Bruyne is a natural starter there in midfield for the creativity to feed feed Harry Kane in there. Um if
0: not <laughs> Maybe. He he will I I I will say he it came out today he will be playing at Euros he will not be getting surgery on his oh. broken nose or his broken face and he will be playing at Euros.
1: Great, so let's let's go with him then. Bruno Fernandez is another one that I would consider there, and then from a defensive from a defensive standpoint, uh, I'd love to have Virgil van Dyke fit. He isn't. Um, who would I go with there? Uh, Ruben Diaz. I think has had a fantastic mm. season. would like to see him um, playing in my team as well. And I just think that okay. the, the link with, with potentially having De Bruyne in the same team there, a good spine to the team. And then in, goal I like keep, and then in goalkeeper, I struggle a little bit here. There's not really for me an out-and-out out keeper that I would want to necessarily start here. Um, oh, this one's tough. Who would I put in there? Like Mendy doesn't even start for his country. Mendy's yeah, had a great true. season. Um, hmm. Let's go to our boy Martin Dubravka for Slovakia.
0: <laughs> yeah, who who is Slovakia playing? That's a that's a good question.
1: Oh, I have no idea. Um, I gotta look at that.
0: Maybe that's who I'll support with no actual ties to a European country.
1: Yeah, we got the matches here. We got. Did Slovakia even make it? This is terrible. Um, Poland against Slovakia um, is match day one. Slovakia have S- Poland, Sweden, and um, Spain. Poland, Sweden. Slovakia and Spain. is getting out.
0: Slovakia is getting out of that group. One hundred percent. Debravka is not going to be giving up goals to lousy strikers like Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> yeah,
1: and Ibrahimovic is not going to be fit for the Euros. I don't know if you heard that. So that's true. So, there's another person that they don't have to worry about there from an offensive standpoint.
0: Very good. Very good. Um, as always, 10 and 90, 10 questions taking place in just exactly 90 seconds between the two of us. So, we holding strong. Were quick. Yours are pretty quick, and mine were absolutely not. But no, um,
1: I like the question. That was good.
0: Yeah, that was a fun one. Okay, let's wrap it up, Adam. Our final episode of the Premier League season with your EPL. Trivia, final clue and answer. I am still very interested on this one. I'm not not set on my answer, so I'd like to hear this.
1: Okay. Um, Which team finished bottom of the Premier League in its first ever season in 1992-1993? The first clue is Adam has previously lived in this city for multiple years during his life. And the final clue is this team has previously won the European Cup. Oh,
0: shit. I have no idea. You know, it's a, oh, you, know, it's
1: a, you know it's an English team. You know that there are many, there are probably six teams that have won the European Cup in England.
0: I just, the one city that I know you've lived in is Cardiff. You went to school in Cardiff. No, no, Swansea rather, because you went to school I never, in Swansea. I never
1: lived there, though. I, I commuted to Swansea, but it's, I mean, it's definitely not It's definitely not Swansea. It's
0: not a Welsh team. That no. Thing. yeah. Where have you lived? (laughs) I actually don't really know where you've lived today. I need to learn more about you, Adam. (laughs) 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 Two years into our podcast. Uh, Oh, let's see here. You have lived there, and they've won the European Cup. Let's go with... You never lived in London, did you? I did not. No. Is it Leeds? They've won a European Cup, right?
1: No, they haven't. Um, no, they so have? um, oh, maybe they have. Actually, I think they. I think they might have, but it's not. Yeah, it's no, not Leeds. Have. I'll give you one more guess, and then I'm gonna. I'm gonna okay. cut you off.
0: Um, I am going to go with. I don't think you ever lived there, but Liverpool.
1: Nope. The answer was Nottingham Forest. Um, I oh, in not Nottingham
0: Forest—the tricky trees. <laughs>
1: yeah forest won the european cup actually i think twice i think they won it back to back seasons um but yeah um i lived in nottingham from probably the age of about maybe one to three or two to four that sort of age um, and then moved Ah. to wales Mm
0: -hmm. very good that was fun Yep. So not a forest. That a fun one.
1: Relegated in 92-93. I don't even know if they've been back up. Oh since yeah, that. I
0: forgot. I, I honestly, I forgot that the relegated was a question. I wouldn't have said Liverpool <laughs> in that case. I totally forgot that that was part I of. Would it. I was surprised you went with Liverpool. I'm like, they haven't been relegated. I was thinking in the about the European Cup at that point. I was just like, who's won a European title? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, man. So Forest, I got fun. you. Very good. Oh, you yep. did get me. Um, lovely, lovely. All right. So as said, that was our last podcast of the Premier league season. That being said, Adam and I are going to do at least uh, a couple more podcasts covering euros, which as Adam mentioned, coming up uh, in just about 11 days on June 11th, it's a Friday. It all kicks off. No rest for the wicked. Every player has to play every day. It seems like in 2020, 2021, but uh, it should be a good one. And yeah, we'll be recapping what's happened so far, kind of making live predictions based on the results um, and yeah, having having a lot of fun with it. It'll be a new structure, so it should be a good time.
1: It'll be good stuff, yeah. And uh, obviously, if you're not rooting for anybody else, me, I just suggest that you root for Wales because they are fantastic and are likely going to win it all.
0: Yeah, they're they're the bookies' favorite. <laughs> That's right, in in Wales. <laughs> in Wales, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Nice. All right. Yep. Well. Until I'll see next you time, that,
1: Adam. Footy. Footy.